0: Coming up on Man up.
1: My understanding of marriage was like deeply rooted in Julia Roberts movies and Sandra Bullock <laughs> and Meg Ryan and The Little Mermaid and all those Disney princesses. I could hear this voice of like, save me. Yeah. Make me happy. And that was causing me a lot of strife. Mm-hmm. We keep talking about the equality of men and women. I didn't see myself as an equal. Yeah. And why didn't I learn about motherhood? Mm -hmm. I was shocked. I was like, wait. It was such a difficult journey. I thought it was going to be the easiest thing, and it wasn't, and I had no idea. There should be a level of education, understanding of what it takes to raise a child as a community.
0: Being man enough, what does that mean? It's really manly to mess up, admit you're wrong, and then grow. I couldn't accept that I was evil, so maybe I'm broken, but those broken things could be corrected. Intimacy between a father and a son is me just wanting to, like, put my head in your lap. I love you, son. You haven't called me a benevolent sexist, but my experience is women are better.
2: Even if it's a positive, it's still not equality. I don't blame men for that. I just blame the system.
0: This is Man Enough. Hey everybody, welcome back to Man Enough. I'm Jamie Heath.
2: I'm Liz Plank. <gasps> and that's it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's no Justin. There's no Justin. There's, no, There's Andy. no guest host. There's no Chris. There's no Chris. It's just you and me.
2: It's just you and me, baby.
0: Oh my yeah. goodness. So what do we do? Of course, we we always just give everybody a heads up. Our whole purpose is to just go real, talk about things that can move the human spirit. Um, Essentially what we want to talk about is masculinity, how we can be better men, of course, women and everybody as well, but really this is focused on how men can unpack some of our traditional thinking of masculinity. Um, So we have different angles to get there, right? Yes. Um, And we have perspectives like yours that help guide us along and do all that stuff. So welcome to this conversation if it's your first time and if it's your many times, thank you for keep listening, for keep listening. Um what are we doing today Liz?
2: Oh my god. I mean, I today's going to be tough. I am so jazzed for this episode because I feel like I've had so many imaginary conversations um with you and your wife Natasha. Mm. You bring her up all of the time in our show and um this time today, we're going to get to know her a little bit better, because she's in the
3: hot seat.
0: She's in the hot seat, baby girl. Seat.
3: Hello. <laughs>
0: You're here with us live. Don't screw up.
3: Oh, <laughs> oh thanks. Thanks a lot. I'm just playing.
0: I'm playing. Um, I'm a little nervous, because are you? I am.
2: I'm what are you nervous about?
0: nervous. <laughs> I'm nervous because I show up all the time in the best way I can, and I try to represent myself authentically. But now I have someone here that can call me can call bullshit. Oh if in fact there is something to call bullshit. You know? <laughs> yes. Um so that can is Can we start there?
2: <laughs> is there any no, because I, I think that if I had a partner right now, they would be they would say, at one point you said this thing on the podcast, and you never do that, right? Or this is a thing that actually you 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 don't do in our relationship, but you're telling other people to do in theirs. Is there anything that Jamie's ever, and I feel like the answer is no, because you guys are perfect. Um, but is there anything that Jamie's ever said on the podcast that you then were like, hey, heard that you said this. Do you want to try it in our marriage? Or has that never happened? And Jamie's just very aligned with who he is in your marriage and 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 sort of talks about it in a way that's aligned in the, on the podcast. Yeah.
1: Wow. We're going there. Um, I love you. Uh-oh. I love you. <laughs> no,
2: man. I just... I'm
1: just trying to be present, excited to be here. Um, or it could be your favorite thing. We can start from, yeah. you know, a positive. No, he... of the time is who he says he is on this podcast, in his spirit, and all of that, is what I get at home. Mm. And I'm so lucky.
0: Really? Well, Well, Before we go in deep, here's what we should do. (laughs) I I feel like even though um, you're my wife, we should give Mm -hmm. you a proper introduction. Mm -hmm. Yes. And normally, Liz, you do it, but would you mind me, since I know so much about her, Mm -hmm. I'd love to introduce who you are besides my wife. Because you are my wife, but you are Natasha Heath, Natasha Huger before that, that has nothing to do with me. Mm. So for our audience listening, um, Natasha is um, an amazing, incredible, wonderful woman of Colombian descent. Her father is white, so she was raised in a mixed household. By the way, she went to the same school from kindergarten to twelfth grade. She is an ex professional dancer, so she traveled the world. She was with Bette Midler. She did other shows in Vegas. Um, she was on a show called Mi Sueno Es Bailar," which is the Latin version of Dancing with the Stars. So she wow. was a she was a uh, host dancer and host. Uh, uh, what do you call One it? One of the
1: professional dancers. Professional oh dancers. My God. That was like what? I so didn't know that.
0: This was her career for all of her, you know, young adult life. Um, and then, um, she got married to me and then we had babies and then, you know, your body changes a little bit and you shift. She's also a Pilates instructor. She is a champion of women. She helps people with postpartum because she's learned a lot on, on that journey. So what else would I say about you other than you are, um, in my estimation, well, I always call you the third best person to ever walk the planet. Uh I don't know who the other two are. I just leave space that there might be. So I'm thrilled that you're here, and I know that we're going to go in and have some fun conversations. But um, that's Natasha.
1: I love you. Thanks, babe. Indeed. Hi, everyone. Hi.
0: You're listening to the Mad Enough podcast. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Mad Enough Podcast. Liz, do you want to ask her our first question that we ask everybody? Sure.
3: So
2: the first question that we ask every guest is when was the last time that you didn't feel enough? Hmm. Probably yesterday. I think right now my just my
1: biggest like ongoing challenge or test in life is motherhood. Hmm. And that is such an like incessant test on your patience and your compassion and, uh, and, you know, we go up and down a lot. I heard Annie Grammer say this once. He's, you know, a good friend of ours. And he says, you know, in life before kids, we go through like between fives and sevens, right? If life is between zeros Mm -hmm. and tens of like feelings and emotions and ups and downs, you know, you're usually in like between fives and sevens, like things are usually good. But once you become a parent, you bounce between zeros and tens in a day. Wow. Like you experience the utmost joys and excitements and loves and cherished moments at tens. And then you drop down to zeros like so quickly in a heartbeat, oh. just like the extremes of the emotions and the sleeplessness, just all the things that come with being a parent. So, you know, I think I just have my versions of that on a daily basis of like, whoop, we're swinging up and down. And um
0: so does that make you feel like you? The question being, yeah. was the last time you didn't feel enough? Is yeah, it, you didn't feel it's, enough it's, as a mother?
1: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, man, I, mm, I didn't, I wasn't as compassionate in that moment or I wasn't as patient or I wish I'd, you know, didn't sigh that way or just all those little things.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. My wife does this, mm-hmm. does this thing. Mm-hmm. This is one of the, we, we have a great marriage, I believe. And we don't have that many hiccups, but one that has been challenging for me amongst my wonderful wife is she can let out a sigh that can feel like, well, she's overwhelmed in the moment, Mm -hmm. but it can feel personal. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but it can be like, and I interpret that as like, I'm too much for you. And then I worry that the kids might feel that they're too much.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: So yeah, something happened that was challenging. They spilled something. They didn't listen, uh, whatever it is. And rather mm-hmm. than just go working through it, she might let out a... And, and and that's something that we bump heads on a bunch. Um, I mean, not that you do that all the time, mm-hmm. but I that's think that what you just spoke about mm-hmm. kind of speaks to that you feel this immense joy as 10, and then when it drops down to whatever number that is, you let out this exclamation.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And I try not to take that personally, either for me or for the kids or for mm-hmm. whoever might yeah. be on the receiving end of that.
2: Yeah, that's real. And that's isn't real. the sigh... <laughs> And again, I'm not in your <laughs> at all in in the house with you, but I have done a lot of reflecting around my own mother and our relationship. And a lot of it was from this podcast, <laughs> which prompted, you know, um, a lot of conversations. And this really makes me cry of like my mom had a whole world inside of her before I came around
3: mm-hmm.
2: and I've never thought about it that way. And I'm an adult now, right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm older than when my mom had me. And I still think that we view our mothers as like an extension of ourselves. Um, And by the way, I think we do that on a collective level for in in society. And to me, the way that I interpret that exhale is you actually not probably saying what you need in that moment, Mm -hmm. which is probably like the exhale is like not actually what you're feeling. What you're feeling is I need space. I need you to do this. I need you to calm down, or I need to rest. But instead of saying that, you go,
1: <sighs> "Yep, right here Is I go. Right? Here I come."
2: <laughs> yeah, and it's
1: that actually resonates. It it does resonate because um, I actually spoke to my sponsor. I'm in a twelve step program, and she. She she brought that up to me. She was like, it's because you're not voicing what you need. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to keep up, like I think as a mother, to keep up with your needs when yeah. your children need you yeah. all the time. Yeah, And I think also it just causes your nervous system to just like be like zinged constantly or quickly zinged and just learning how to self-manage. Whether it's in the moment or instantly or constantly, like, mm-hmm. um, I think that's really important for me to work on, for all parents to work on is like, how do you self-manage and get what you need? Which is like, maybe I just need five minutes. Yes. <laughs> just give me five minutes when to go to the bathroom, wash my face, breathe the way yeah. I want to breathe. <gasps> you know um i think that's a big part of it and it's it's hard it's hard to get your needs met when
0: you've got little ones yeah you're listening to the mad enough podcast we'll be right back all right welcome back to the mad enough podcast can i just share a quick story you said about how we met she and i met real quickly justin baldoni met her first at a club She was dancing, salsa dancing, professional dancer. He then was like captivated by her person. They ended up talking, it wasn't a hit on, they went out to coffee um, and then Justin basically, instead of saying, hey, what's your number, let's hang out. It was more like, hey, I've got a group of people that are getting together talking about elevated concepts, um, spirituality, how to be better, how to serve humanity. Um, There's a group of women that are talking about this kind of thing, would you be interested in like, and she was like, whoa, who are you? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you're not trying to like what are you. Then she started coming around and then she and I met shortly after. My um, like to tell the story that she hit on me, but she didn't. Um, that she cornered <laughs> me and was like, please take me out, take me out, take me out. And I was Lays. like, Please, nah, 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 nah. please. <laughs> that didn't happen. Um, fast forward, we're becoming friends. We're doing these exercises where you kind of like look in each other's eyes for like as long as you can without blinking and
3: like, mm-hmm. you know,
0: go, whatever, all that stuff. And we had, we are partnered up to do this. And in that moment, she likes to say that she saw me fall in love with her.
1: For real. No. I saw it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I, my I God. I
0: but I could see that we had a thing, that there was something. And I literally thought to myself, oh, shit, there's something here. So I sat her down. I was like, I think there's something going. I think there's some potential. We're noticing each other. So I got to tell you who I am. I've been married twice and divorced, which she knew. Um, just because we'd been friends and like on the surface knew, but been married twice, divorced. I was unfaithful to my marriage. As a result, I lost a lot of people. I'm broke. I've always been successful in my life, but because of this, I lost my way. Uh, my, my business started collapsing. Everything around me is... Mm. is so I've got nothing to offer. You want to go on a date? <laughs> <laughs> that's like my pickup line.
3: Wow.
1: I mean, <laughs> in a nutshell. Yes, that's I mean, what happened. Yeah, that's what happened. We had a talk. You remember it was a phone conversation. I still remember it vividly. Many hours you told him, you know, explained your whole truth, your whole history. I could see who you are. I could see your light. And, you know, you also were very clear about all the work you had done and all all that you had learned. And I still feel that today. You make me feel very safe and
2: present and I have no question
1: I have no question
2: was there any point where you were like is he gonna cheat on me or you know I think a lot of people who are listening yeah. even our friends will say well if he once a cheater always a cheater there's this sort of understanding right that, that you can't trust someone but yeah. it seems like you that didn't apply to, to you and you, yeah I think the fact that he was just so
1: because how often are people so upfront right. and truthful Especially so early on, like I don't even think I was thinking, um I like this guy. Mm-hmm. I think I was, I was still in like the friend zone, and he like disclosed his whole truth,
3: right?
1: And it didn't, it didn't like cause anything in me. I think because when people are upfront with you, yeah. you're like, okay, right? I, I see th- who you're telling me who you are, yeah. And and then I got to observe him, you know. Then you you spend time with a person, you get to observe them, and I didn't. I think I just. I, I and I also is just kind of who I am. I just know how to see. I know people are human and we make mistakes, and I tend to really look at the good in people. And he has so much good.
3: Mm.
0: We have so much good. Well, I don't want to make this about me. What yeah. I don't want to do is like have you be on the thing and just validate all no. the stuff that we think about me because that's that's a crock of stuff. It's more about who you are and mm-hmm. your capacity to actually even accept a man who has this baggage and what it is about you. And you just said it. You see the good in people. But like what? Not- yeah.
1: And I, I didn't come from perfection. You know, like both my parents had been married before. And my mom, you know, had my sister in a different relationship, you know, a different we have different fathers like I, I it, it wasn't like a shock. You know, I know some of my just I know that what I come from is not perfect. It, w- it was just like, OK, I, you're human, just like I came from humans mm. that had made mistakes and weren't perfect. And like. And so it didn't like freak me out. I was just like, great, okay. you're human.
0: You always inherently were, sh- showed up like for my son, Nak. he She came in, she married me when Nack was eight.
1: But I think when we got married, he was like nine or 10.
0: He was nine, 11, nine years. Yeah. So he was nine. That's right. Um, so the way you've shown up for him, you've been in the life since he was like seven. You have been a mother to him, a second mother, along with Tara. And I feel like our blended family in great part, sure, is because the way that I try to show up and honor the people that were in my life, but you are able to do it. You show up and hold space for everybody. And now you hang out with Tara and you guys do things together and the kids are always together. And,
3: oh,
0: yeah. um, but even more than just that, it's the way that you hold space for so many people and then how, something that you just do for me. And I appreciate you and I love you for that. And thank you. I think our marriage is really wonderful in great part because of that. Mm. Um, what you've now discovered, um, to be helpful to other mothers, Mm. And the postpartum process, so the fourth trimester, right? So mm-hmm. you want to speak a little bit about why what that is?
1: So just a little little backstory. I've been a mostly generally happy, healthy, content person
3: mm-hmm.
1: all my life. You know, not a lot of hiccups, not a lot of whatever. And then I have kids, and even through pregnancy, it was fine. It was healthy. Even birth, you know, healthy. You know, thank goodness and then i have kids and then suddenly i'm like in the deepest darkest hole i've ever seen or experienced wow and i don't know how to get out and i know that i have the most loving present experienced husband and father by my side right it's not his first rodeo so he know you know he knows he's helpful he's there late nights like changing diapers you know it's not like he's not present he's super hands on yet I'm still in this hole and I'm sad. I feel guilty. I don't feel good enough. I'm exhausted. I'm alone. I'm angry. And I'm like, who am I and what's happening? Mm. I had a really tough postpartum period and I feel like it lasted for several years. And so it's just giving me this newfound passion and really helping mothers in the postpartum period, especially in the beginning. I feel like so much should be so much care and dedication should be given to mothers in that first fourth trimester is what is a common term mm-hmm. for it, right? That first three months after they have their child of like a lack of just society and this village man mentality and community of people showing up and caring for the parent, especially the mother unit and this new child in forms of proper nutrition and mm. rest and l- simple things like helping them around the house. Like it's so impossible to just keep up with the basic needs in life in this first period. And so I feel like if we just remembered we when we used to do it and other places are doing it in other countries around the world, mm-hmm. it's so simple. They already know how to do it and they're doing it. We just have to remember how to do it for ourselves mm-hmm. in this modern Western society. And so I'm just really passionate about trying to just educate us again of like, let's remember how to take care of our moms. Yeah. They need rest. They need proper nutrition. They need help. They need love. They need loving touch. They, You know, they to just help them through this transition from woman to mother. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that that's where I'm putting my, my energy and my focus.
0: Would you say that, so we men have to show up better and hear that and then make changes or show up in ways that we wouldn't think otherwise. Mm-hmm. So what do you think, even if you just made it personally, like, okay, I, you said I do some of these things great, I show up. What are some of the things that maybe I don't think that, of that I can show up better? Or how, what has been challenges that I haven't done?
1: In this p- particular context of like the postpartum period?
0: Or motherhood or fatherhood or childhood.
1: I think specifically, I think I, I didn't, I know that I did not think past birth. I was just obsessed. I was like, just, I just need to focus on getting this baby out of my body. I don't know how it's supposed to happen. That's all my attention was on like (laughs) a happy, healthy birth. And then I didn't think about one moment after. And I think because we're just not aware. So even though you've had children before, You also, I think, just we collectively in our modern society aren't aware that, like, moms need a second. Mm. Give them at least six weeks to, like, cocoon and, like, rest, stay in the bed, don't do too much too soon, don't socialize too much. And I know you have this perspective of, like, Uh oh, "Oh, let's keep it moving, which is fine. But I think for that period specifically, I didn't know it and you didn't know it either. It was like, let's start our Monday nights again, and let's have visitors, and let's go to the Grove. And I went along, which was fine, but I, I didn't know what I needed, mm. and neither did you, because you were just like, oh, let's keep living life, which was fine in one sense. But in the other, I didn't know that I really, my body needed to reset, my hormones needed to rebalance. Like, there's so much happening physiologically in a woman's body after birth mm. that they just need, like, this peace bubble <laughs> Specifically, mm-hmm.
0: how could I have shown up better? Tell me, tell me. Yeah. What?
1: Well, again, I think it's it's no fault of our own. Like I didn't know, and you didn't know. But I you're wish... protecting me right now, though. I because know. You're
0: prefacing. Tell I me know. what I could have done better.
1: I wish um, you would have. Uh, I don't want to use the word protect. I don't know if that's the right word, but but just honored like a healing time. And space for me right after that didn't involve like having visitors and walking to the grove and starting our weekly social events right away,
0: okay uh, that's the first time I've heard that one
3: mm-hmm.
0: um,
1: but I don't again, I'm not blaming you because no. I didn't know and you didn't know. Tell me another one'm um, <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm giving you permission to okay. say say you're trying to protect I, me is what I hear mm-hmm. you doing.
1: I wish I could sleep in more often, even now.
0: So we've talked about this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I talked about it in the podcast. Um, I can give up all kinds of excuses. Like I'm up late. I work crazy hours. All you know, I Even before working here, I'd be in the studio all night and night and night. And, um, and I don't get up in the mornings um, as a general rule. Mm-hmm. And yet you need that. And then I say that I want to do it. And I still haven't done it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And for some reason, I've justified it, maybe, you know? And maybe a lot of men do, like, okay, I do this. And, uh, um, yeah, yeah. So, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I don't.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I'll get up to go play golf. I fucking will go play golf. And I'll get up at 5.30 to go be there. But I'm not up at 5.30 to get the kids ready to get out the door. Because those are the moments, oh, I can sleep in from the, but you don't get to do that. I mean, you do go to bed earlier than I do. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you try to get to bed by 10 and I'm up up until 12 or one. So maybe that's how I rationalize it or something. But but I don't. Mm -hmm. And I know this is a theme with not just us, but with other people, you know, um, how, and maybe I also think it because I show up in so many other ways, I think. I think that I'm a good dad and I think I'm a good supporter. So I think, but I think those may just all be excuses to not show up in the way that you need me to. Which is fucked up. (laughs) And then I say that, but then I, will I get up tomorrow morning? And I probably won't.
3: Mm.
0: I'm sorry, baby. I'm like a hypocrite here. Like I want to be this and I make the changes here. And then something that's very tangible and set out to me, I won't make, I won't do the laundry, so to speak. That you'll hear Liz like, our reasons, and you'll like say, "Okay, I hit that. Just, just do the laundry.
1: Mm-hmm. Just get up." Yeah, and and it can it can lead to it can lead to resentment, you know, or not feeling um, it's hard to say this, but not feeling loved fully or enough, or you know what I mean. Um, and I also find ways to justify because I don't want to believe that my husband doesn't love me enough but it can lead to that
0: so how about we say now
2: mm-hmm.
0: I mean I don't want to make a promise that I'm going to fail
2: on you start once a week you said a day where you do well, it well
0: I was going to say why don't we what if we started with the weekends Saturday and Sunday I get up is that like oh that's convenient
1: that's, no that sounds glorious <laughs> Because that's that's something as a mother that I crave, just, like, having a morning to, like, slowly All
0: right. come to. All right, Liz.
1: Accountability partner. You heard it on the okay. Man Enough podcast, and, everyone. Please keep yes. my husband accountable.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, but the,
2: the th- other question I have is, like, why... Because uh, why don't you go to bed earlier? W- like, what are... Th- and I'm, it's not, like, an attack. I was just, like, what are the reasons why you go to bed late? Um, well... <sighs> Because, yeah, if you go to bed at 1, waking up at 5, like— Yeah, that's hard. She, she goes to bed early because she— I have to. She has to. And, she has and to. Also, she knows that in order to, get I mean, up to early, be fair,
0: and again, I don't want to make any excuses, but there is, you know, there is generally body makeup that's just how—since I was young, I've okay. always gone to bed late. Okay. I've been in the studio. I've been a, I'm a musician my whole life. It's creativity. I've always gone to bed 2, 3 in the morning. Okay. Always. That's like how I'm uh, built, so to speak. I don't want to say built, but trained or just am. Okay, that's one. Number two is um working here at the studio. You work, you got all this stuff going on, like the podcast where I go back, and then I want to be with the family and the kids. And then at eight o'clock, nine o'clock when the kids are asleep, and then she goes to bed, then I'll sit there and read scripts or I'll read You're working. I'm working, right? Which you know I do this. So I'm not just there like, you know, let me watch eight episodes or something. Yeah. So that's also time to kind of have to myself Mm -hmm. to prepare for the next day and all those things, which I know is legitimate. I have, you know. So um, so that's part of it too. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why you've been a little bit more willing to do so yeah. because you recognize oh, right, there is some sleep difference and, but that doesn't change the fact that it, it, there can't be more effort.
2: Or is there help that you can, you know, if you're, you are working so hard, is there help that you can then we have help get uh, not in the so that she not in the, why not? If that's what she needs.
0: You want to get somebody to come at mm-hmm. um, six in the morning,
2: sometimes
1: once a week, twice that's, a week? That's not what I'm saying. I th- I think I've just I've come to a place of just like acceptance that that's just my reality right now. Just
0: Got it. Mm-hmm. Okay, while I'm on here, I'm going to say a few other things that you do so wonderfully.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Because sometimes you can forget that you are a fucking badass.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm spiritually connected, but you are always thinking it. It's like every morning I wake up in the morning, or something and look out the window and she's out there and she's meditating and she's connected, she's praying or she's like, you know, outside on the balcony, just like centering herself. All decisions that we make, it's always mindful of like how this affects our community and the world and us and our kids and children's classes and junior youth programs and all of this stuff. So you are really our North Star in our family. Mm -hmm. And I would not be able to do, I would not be as close to God you're not responsible for my relationship with God, but I would not be as close if it weren't for you. Mm. You show up for me with my trauma and my history in ways that nobody ever has. You know, the Michael Jackson thing came out, no shade on Michael Jackson, forgive anyone who feels offended. But when that documentary came out, I was triggered in it in and it and it did a number on me. I have years of, childhood stuff that I've spoken about. And when that came out and seeing people attack the victims that were claiming, there was one moment, Liz, you remember, I was at my sister's house and there was a group of people talking about it. And and I lost my mind and I ran out and I went into my nephew's room and I went into the corner and I was bent down. I'm a grown man, mm-hmm. 45, 46, 40, however long this goes, you go. 4 or 5 years ago. And I'm in the corner and I'm I'm like I'm screaming out loud crying like a baby in the corner right there.
1: I didn't even recognize you when you walked in. Wow, oh, your face and just like your expression.
0: And I didn't know what was happening to me and this was coming out. And then she came over. I remember you coming and just w- w- held me and allowed me to have it. You didn't judge me, didn't question it. And when I couldn't have Michael play anymore, you didn't bat an eye. You just were supportive. Um, and again, I say this. I mean, I don't want to offend. I know there are people that have their feelings about him or not. So I don't want to make this about that. And, 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 and in truth, I've worked through that. And, you know, my kids now listen to, they're crazy about some of his music. And, you know, it's, I'm I'm fine. I've reconciled. But more, my issue was just the trauma and mm. people taking that seriously. Um, the, and you did
3: mm.
0: more than anybody. I love you and thank you. You're listening to the Mad Enough Podcast. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Mad Enough Podcast. What do what you got, Liz?
2: I mean, I have so many questions. Do, do you feel like Jamie is ha- has evolved in certain ways in the last, you know, we've been doing this podcast. It's going to be our two-year anniversary soon. Um, are there certain things that you feel like, you know, you can see in his behavior from some of the conversations we've had? Um, or is he always just been... Jamie, Jamie Heath.
1: I'll be honest. I feel like you've, as as long as I've known you, I feel like you've always been like this. What people are seeing on mm-hmm. the podcast and in his, you know, his job right now. Um, but this is who you are. You are insightful, joyful, fun. I know you're, you're so He's uncomfortable. Wincing.
2: <laughs> you feel like you are, are uncomfortable right now. What's going through your mind?
0: Um, your face, (laughs) I don't, yeah, thank you. You know, I, I just, I don't want it to be about me. Okay. I'd rather you or you tell me, Jamie, that you're, this is where you need to improve Mm -hmm. because I want our marriage and I want our life and I want our kids to, you know, of course we need support. I got that right now. I'm in a job where I'm being challenged in one area. That's something I, I have always felt that I do well at and, and it's being challenged right now. And and as hard as it is, I appreciate it because it's opportunities to be better, whether it's right or wrong, you know, in that sense. So, um, I just don't want to be, I just don't want, um, and yet it also maybe speaks to us. Like, you know, we, 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 you don't have a lot of issues with me. I don't have a lot of issues with you. I have an issue with you because you leave eight, Coffee's in the refrigerator. That's (laughs) that's my biggest, one of my biggest problems with her. It's like there's a coffee because she won't throw anything away. And like that's my issue with my wife. Uh We operate good. So maybe we can speak to some of those things of why it works so good for us. I think because we have consultation. We pray a lot together.
1: I would like to speak on like I can just for me, I know I can speak on my journey as a woman and a wife in marriage and how I've evolved, how I think I've evolved. Because I know that I came in. Um, with my understanding of marriage was like deeply rooted in Julia Roberts movies and Sandra Bullock <laughs> and Meg Ryan and The Little Mermaid and all those Disney princesses. Right. Like, where is the princess going to save me? Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that I had that in me. But once I got married, I could hear this voice of like, save me. Yeah. Make me happy. Why aren't you making me happy? Um. And that was causing me a lot of strife mm-hmm. um, because that's not what marriage is about. It's not about the other person making you happy. Yeah. Um, it's about being equal partners. And I wasn't showing up. Right. We keep talking about the equality of men and women. I didn't see myself as an equal.
2: Yeah. I
1: was looking for a savior. Mm-hmm. And that was just not that was just causing a lot of, at least within me, a mm-hmm. lot of conflict.
2: How did it show up in, in in sort of a real practical ways?
1: Um, I think that when I would try to bring something up, and you can help testify, it would like be like in such distress, like why aren't the dishes being, why am I the only one doing the dishes ever all the time? You know, like there was always just such like strife instead of, hey, babe, let's talk about somehow house duties. Can we try to divvy them up, you know, to, to just show up in a way that's mm. grounded and frank and clear? Yeah. Not, oh, I have something to share with you. You weren't like that. Well, I mean, I you feel like, like I didn't. Like, I didn't. I just feel like I didn't have um, one, the confidence yeah. to speak up and um, just the tools of like mm. adult communication. <laughs>
2: I mean, I have the same thing. And I feel like, again, I'm not married, but it's a big thing I've had to unlearn, which is that, yeah, like the person who's your partner is not supposed to save you. Yes. Like no one is coming to save you. Yes. And actually, when you believe that someone is going to save you— you detach from all of the strength that you actually have inside. Correct. <laughs> and if you're with someone, because I would pick these people who love to save and I'm just I was just as broken <laughs> for for wanting that. And then the more they would do for me and the more they would take over, you know, parts of my life, the more I believe that I couldn't do things myself. Mm-hmm. And you know, to your point, with every movie, that's that's the um, that's the fantasy, right? Yes. And I I was watching this I was going to say I was reading this article, but I was watching this TikTok last night. There there was this really powerful exchange between these two women where she, she was saying, you know, fantasy is, is, is comfortable. Mm. Intuition is uncomfortable. That's mm. how you know the difference. Mm. And I, yeah, that like changed my brain chemistry because I think the save me and it is a fantasy and it is so exciting. <laughs> right. It is like a drug. Yes. And it um it it sets up a relationship to fail though because you're also probably projecting so many things onto that person that they're not um and that they will never be and and yeah it sets up an unequal dynamic and that dysfunction is the, the fantasy of every romantic comedy that we grew up with. So instead of, you know, questioning it, it, it just is reinforcing everything that we see. Mm-hmm. And our friends, the way that yes. we, they react, oh my God, he got you all these things. Like, mm-hmm. it's like the way that I think we understand love is, is so distorted. Yes. And, you know, I was reading this data about couples that are best friends, you know, like a person who's saying, I married my best friend they're much more likely to actually not divorce and stay mm-hmm. married for longer because they have that, you know, a friendship is not save me. A friendship is equal to equal. I mean, yeah. some friendships can be also right. toxic and dysfunctional. But, um, yeah, if you're friends first, then you might not fall into these, again, romanticized ideals of, you know, that we've been—that have been pushed down our throats.
1: Yeah, mm. exactly.
0: Baby, will you mind sharing something? Yep. You recently— have discovered something about your life that you've been working through. And I think if you share a little bit about it, it might um, glean some insight for someone, um, a woman or a man who is dealing with things. So you recently what?
1: (laughs) Okay. Bear with me. Okay. I recently got a diagnosis for an autoimmune disease. It's not a... You know, it's not fatal, thankfully. And I don't think any autoimmune disease is fatal. But anyway, mm-hmm. an autoimmune disease called lichen sclerosis. Um, and it's turned my world upside down. <laughs> you know, it's been really challenging for me. <laughs> um, so I've been having the symptoms basically since having children, not knowing what it was. It's like a skin condition uh, that can affect different parts of the body, um, but mostly it affects um, the genitals. And it's uncomfortable. And for so long, no one knew what it was. Um, But now we do. And um, I know that you can testify that, you know, it affects our sex life. And it's really hard for me not to feel broken. And that's why I'm so passionate, even more so now, with this diagnosis about really helping mothers after birth. Um, Because I just know deep down that if women get what they need, like the most basic, to really recover from birth and get just the support, and again, like I said, the nutrition that helps build the blood back and restabilize the hormones and all of that um I just know deep down inside this has something to do with that you know that it triggered it because that's when it started was after birth soon after um
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and the journey is new for me because I just learned about it you know like I said four weeks ago
0: um you learned about it four weeks ago but you
1: I've been dealing with this. You've been trying
0: to Mm -hmm. get a name to it for Mm -hmm. the last um, couple years, I guess. Right, Mm -hmm. seeing different people and seeing doctors and seeing Eastern medicine, Western medicine, Mm -hmm. um, meditation, spiritual guidance, all of it. Yeah. And it has. How do you think it's affected us? Um. Actually, I'm sorry, baby. That that actually doesn't even matter. It matters in one sense, but the first thing is that matters most is how it's affected you.
1: I know that makes me not want to have sex as much because I'm just uncomfortable down there you know and I know for so long it was hard for us because I just didn't have this desire and then it made you feel undesirable you know but I know that we've overcome that and it you know had nothing to do with you it's just my body like me not feeling comfortable in that intimate space as a woman um and then you also maybe building a complex now of like, oh, I don't want to hurt you, you know, and then that becomes a barrier. So I know that we're working through that. Um, but it's been, it's been a challenge. Yeah.
0: It. I appreciate you sharing it because I think a lot of people experience um, in marriage, different levels of intimacy.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: It might not be for this one. It could be in a host of other reasons, Um for a woman or for a man, mm-hmm. and just to be clear, so that people know, and your family, and anyone who's listening, and listeners, it's not like you're 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 broken. Yeah. This is just like you know um, something that affects. It's a discomfort. It's a discomfort that is just constantly there. Yeah, but it, it, the effects of it can be, as you just said, that then our intimacy has shifted. Mm-hmm. Spontaneous intimacy,
3: right,
0: is tough. Yeah.
1: Because yeah, oftentimes I'll have to say, yeah, tonight's not yeah. the night.
0: <laughs> or that moment's not the moment. Mm-hmm. And then the window that you're feeling, your body's feeling fine yeah, may not be the most perfect moment for us for whatever reason. Or I'm whatever. right? So I hope that you have felt supported um, because I wanted to and make you feel like you are not mm-hmm. broken.
1: Yeah, you have.
0: You are not broken. You are wonderfully perfect. And who fucking cares? Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. I tell you all the time, right? This doesn't... Sex is just one of the ways that we have a life together. Yeah. And our sex is great.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But um, it's just... It's so unimportant to what we do on a daily basis all the time. Our intimacy mm-hmm. and our friendship and our serving of the world and enjoying each other's company and mm-hmm. raising our children and all that. So,
1: And I feel that.
0: Um You feel okay sharing that out loud?
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. I do, because Um, I think it's all part of that, you know, the larger conversation, you know, of like, I really believe that mothers and children are like a forgotten species in our modern day society. Like, you become a mom and then suddenly you're like pushed out, go find your mommy and me group, go figure it out on your own. Um, and we'll see you when you can be productive again, and mm. you can be a value, and you can be whatever.
0: And then society doesn't really do anything about it and help, yeah, with it that much. Um, Liz does. <laughs> Liz speaks yeah. to it and cares about it. Um, but you are—I um, mean, I joke and say you're the third best woman in the world, but you're the—you are the best person ever. And um, and I love how you've navigated your life and us and our children and you and your growth and my children before our, us and how you show up still. So maybe, um, Liz, do you have any anything for us in this conversation?
2: I mean, thank you for sharing that. Um, that's a lot to share uh, so early in your diagnosis, and this is going to help so many people who are listening right now. Because autoimmune disorders, as we know from our previous guest, Gabor Matei, disproportionately impact women and are disproportionately often tied to, you know, sort of what you're describing, that it's often a physical manifestation of an emotional trauma. And that can happen early in life or it can happen when you're, you know, becoming a mother in life, my best friend, um, or best friend is like a tier for me. So I'll say best friend, but like, in my tier best friends, um, Anitika Chopra started this uh, amazing community called Chronicon, which is she has two autoimmune diseases, Mm -hmm. and um, was also diagnosed with one that got triggered by long COVID or having COVID. Mm. And yeah, it comes with all of the physical stuff. But (laughs) and then these the emotional stuff of what that means for you and particularly your, you know, relationship and again, challenging your identity, right? You talked about going from woman to mother and To Jamie's point, you are not broken and you're the same person, but you feel like you can do different things and that can change your relationships, not just to others, but also I'm I'm guessing to yourself, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: you know, how did you, how are you managing that relationship with your body to make sure that you're, you're loving your body, even though it's not doing what you want it to do?
0: come to our house and see all the stuff that she's bought recently. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy.
2: I did. I bought, I bought two things. So Actually, three. I haven't seen
1: the
3: third thing. Oh,
0: great.
1: I'm just like, for myself, surrounding myself with positive, artful images of the woman vulva. Nice. <laughs> I bought this thing on Etsy that's like, I handmade clay vulva and it's beautiful. It looks like a blooming flower.
2: Wow. And It's
1: got gold specks on it and it's got flowers on it. I
0: was like, <laughs> it came to the house and it was in a box. I'm like, oh, what's this? I'm opening it up and I'm like, oh okay. yeah.
1: <laughs> just it. like, is this? I was like, yep. yep. He's like, okay. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I bought like another image, like a natural image, and um, and I have a mug that's got like a bunch of different interpretations of the vulva.
2: I love that.
1: It's great. Um, So, yes, I I feel like the big lesson I'm learning in this is pushing out what doesn't belong to me anymore. You know, like setting those boundaries. I think women, and especially mothers, we take on so much. And we don't know how to set or we're not encouraged or we're not given the space to, like, assess what's ours and what's not ours, Mm -hmm. what we should and shouldn't be taking on and i'll just say it like when you become a mom and the the dynamic in that whole household is that the mother stays at home or, or is the 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 main caretaker that's a huge undertaking <laughs> and job and unless you have like someone that's living with you you know uh, or or full-time nanny or whatever like there's so much and and i remember when i first became mom i I kept feeling like, okay, I got to find my next thing. I got to do my next thing. Mm. Uh, I was almost trying to, like, escape it. Like, I can't just be a mom. That's not enough. But it is enough. (sighs) And more than enough. And more than (laughs) enough. More than one person can handle. Yes. So I'm, you know, finally starting to kind of, like, shed layers of, like, responsibilities and committees and just things that I know don't belong to me Mm. right now. And I know that when the kids get older, there will be time to develop, mm-hmm. to grow, and there's little pockets of time here and there, but just as my life as it stands now this is this is my role, and this yeah. is enough.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And it just makes me so sad just how, again, forgotten mothers and children are like there's no there's no respect, there's no value, there's no monetary, you know, compensation for it. like, and everyone came out of someone's <laughs> womb. Everyone. We all do. So someone had to do it for you. Mm -hmm. Um, And the fact that we don't place more value and attention to this. And, you know, even though it like, oh, it happens, you know, nine months and they have it and then, yeah, then that can be productive again. Mm. Um, There's so much more to it that I think we're missing. And I think one of the solutions to just all the world problems (laughs) will start when Anything that we decide, I remember one mom shared this with me and my brain literally exploded. She said, I can't wait until we live in a world where everything, and I mean everything, is when it's thought of or created, the first question is, how are mothers and children involved or supported Mm. or how do we take care of them in the process? When a park is being built, when a parking structure is being built, when a business building is being built, when a podcast is being created. Like how are mothers and children considered Mm. in this equation?
2: What would it look like? Hmm. Yeah. Or policy and law and policy, right? We would live in a very different society if we did, if we treated every mother with the respect that she deserves, we, we'd all right. Not just mothers. We'd 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 all benefit.
0: Well, you know how we, one of the ways we do Me personally showing up differently or better or mindful, Justin, my brother, your, you know, our friends, like men have to then be mindful of that now, since we are oftentimes the ones in charge of policy and, and and so much that if we hear these conversations and care about it and really see Mm -hmm. the effect that it has on women and mothers, Mm -hmm. um, and then we consider it in all that we do, um, Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't just policy doesn't just change because it changes. It changes because the individuals in the individuals change.
2: Yeah. The job of being a mother, to your point earlier, it feels a lot for one person because it was never meant to be for one person. Exactly. <laughs> it was meant for a village. a village. A village. was taking care of the children. And in a society, you know who the village is? The government. That's why we pay taxes. Right. Uh, and in a civilized society, you've put those taxes to creating that village with a social support that's paid leave, that's child care, that's— uh, Postpartum you know, doulas. Post, yeah. Uh, health care? Heard of it? Yeah. Ever heard of it? Like, just, like, providing mental health support to new and mothers? don't just
1: tell me I need— Antidepressants. That's not what I'm talking about.
2: Right. And also, you can't even be on antidepressants when you're pregnant. I mean, huh. uh, this is a controversial take, but, you know, some, some women are, are doing it anyways. But, yeah, it's actually not a solution. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm I'm with you. Like, I, I mean, I get so enraged when I see the way that we, that, that, that we treat mothers. And, you know, we're having this conversation around male friendships and men have less and less friends the people who spent the less amount of time with their friends because of the pandemic and during the pandemic were mothers. <laughs> yeah. Like like women actually, the as a result of the pandemic, um, lost more touch with their friends. And that's mm-hmm. actually, again, it kind of goes against the thing that women are good at, which is building community. But if you put everything onto mothers, um, yeah then then they everything will start to fall away and there's also i mean i was kind of shocked to see this uh data that we spend twice as much time with our kids as we used to hmm. did you know? i didn't know this hmm. like basically again the expectation twice? Oh. yes it, it's just the expectation of, spe- of of parents being with their children right is is much higher than it than it used to be and now women are also expected to be um, incredible and superheroes right. and uh, be a badass at work and spend twice as much time with your kids. Mm-hmm. Like, how is that? You know, so, so the math doesn't add up. And when mm-hmm. the math doesn't add up, women take on, you know, and t- take it on so that society can continue. Right. But it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. It really shouldn't.
1: Because it does. It feels like the way a lot of the time. And that's why, honestly, I don't even bother with social media anymore Mm because it gives me that feeling of like life is happening without me. But my life right now is with my children and really like honoring and caring, caring about their upbringing, caring about what they're learning and their values and how I'm Mm. showing up and now not how I'm trying to go do another thing. Let me go do my thing. Um, And not to say that it Maybe that's just my capacity. Maybe another woman's capacity, another mother's capacity is different, and they Mm. can juggle and balance and whatever. But for mine and my body and my health right now, it's not. And I think another thing that we're missing out on, again, I joked that, like, I learned about love with Julia Roberts and Meg (laughs) Ryan and Sandra Bullock. And why didn't I learn about motherhood? Mm Mm-hmm. I did, I, not just for me, not just for women, for everyone.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Everyone, there should be an understanding and uh, an a educa- level of education, understanding of what it takes to raise a child as a community.
3: Mm. I was
1: shocked. Yeah. I was like, wait, what's happening? I didn't know breastfeeding could be hard and t- hurt and difficult. I didn't know. That was tough. Mm. Yeah, it was so it was such a difficult journey. I thought it was going to be the easiest thing and it wasn't and I had no idea. Yeah. Like I remember when we were first married and um, we had a neighbor that had a baby. And I didn't do a thing. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know to bring a meal to check on her to offer her to do her laundry. Yeah. We just like came to sleep. Yeah, help yeah. her sleep and like. We just like came and
2: visit one day and like oh look how cute your baby is like that's and
1: what you people bring stuff do for the
2: baby not for the mom yes which is the thing I I a, yeah. a friend told me to start he was like oh now I give a gift to the mom and yes. I'm like that's so much that's of yes. course yes of
3: course
0: mm.
1: more of that so like I kicked myself but of course I didn't you only know what you know and to just know that I was available yeah. To, to show up, to spend mm. time, to, to do laundry, to bring a meal, hold the baby while she naps. Like little things yeah. that yeah. I, you don't realize goes into it. So I just think more exposure, more understanding, more education, all needs to go into that.
0: Earlier we were talking about you were sharing some intimate things about your life. Oh. Um, your diagnosis and how you're been moving through that. Mm-hmm. And I've been so impressed with your capacity. And your patience and also your frustration Mm -hmm. and how you've dealt with that. How can I, and then therefore other men, when our wives are going through things and learning about their bodies and their, all of this, how specifically do you think that we can, I can show up to help support you?
1: Um, It's a great question. I'll just add that you've been wonderful. Like there's been no, I wish I would get more of this or I wish he said this or not this. I think right away you you made me feel whole and still beautiful and still desirable and still and hopeful. You know, like we're going to get through this. You're going to be fine. I love you. I got you. Do what you need to do. Like I know you've also just made sure to like, you know, in our couple and decision making, like do whatever you need to do to to process this and to get the healing that you need and the you know healers outside of western medicine and uh i think at least for me personally what really helps when i'm vulnerable or hurt is just compassion so i think you know if other couples are dealing with this just put yourself in that other person's shoes um just know that at the end of the day, when we're hurt and scared and having big feelings, we just need love and compassion. And, you know, I know that one day you saw me, you know, sitting outside our car. I was just trying to, like, put myself together. I was having big feelings, I Was just trying to, like, meditate and pray and, you know, come back into the home in a better space. And you were on your way out to work and you saw me and you just pulled me out and you held me and you let me sob. <laughs> And that was just so beautiful. And I was so grateful for that. And you didn't like try to talk it around it or problem solve or, you know, you just like held me. And I feel like that's, that's what's been so helpful. And I've been so grateful for on my journey through this that you've just been like a shoulder to cry on, super supportive, super, just like soft with all of it. And that's, at least all that I need, you know, maybe someone else needs something else, but that's been super helpful.
0: Mm -hmm. Holding space for it, Mm -hmm. giving you what you need. Mm -hmm. Um, What I heard is hopefully I've done many of those things, but, but it's good to to hear you say them back. So moving forward, I can know to continue to do some of those things and then to step up in ways maybe I haven't, Um, you know, so thank you Mm -hmm. for sharing that. Liz, do you have anything about that?
2: I mean, I think when you're dealing with um, any kind of diagnosis, like when it's happening to you, it's all you can think about. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of all you are (laughs) because it's taking up so much of your attention. And I think what's really great that a partner can do is shake that out and, and sort of broaden out the perspective and and bring the person out of that one you know unidimensional thinking and to sort of see how multifaceted you are and that you are loved yes physically and sexually but in so many other ways and you are so many other things to your partner and i think what you also said about just a shoulder to cry on right like it, i think it's a saying for a reason very often if we're feeling even triggered Or we're upset, uh, we go into trying to fix it with words (laughs) with our partner. And very often, all a triggered partner needs is like physical safety and that physical touch, that hug, whatever that is uh, for you will calm your nervous system and then your thoughts won't be racing as much, right? Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes we try and think our way out of conflict or out of a tricky situation in a relationship. And again, I'm not saying like force your partner to give you a hug if they're mad at you, (laughs) but (laughs) I think we overthink it sometimes. And just holding each other and holding your partner when they're triggered can help you move through it, I think, in ways that words won't be able to accomplish.
0: I think the most important—thanks, Liz— um, Here's my feeling, and I just was um, telling a dear friend or not even a dear friend, a, a, a friend um, who just recently got married. And I had said for men, I think you, the most important job you have in your life right now, at the end of the day, is how you show up in your marriage. Your job is not to take, um, to make her complete or whole, I don't mean that, to fix her or to be her, all of that. It's to show up in the marriage whenever that marriage needs. That's your most important job.
3: Mm.
0: In that marriage, it could include, if you have children, helping with the children, not helping raising the ch- all of that. It could include making sure that you're helping with money. It could be include whatever those things are, but know that you're, it's, if you have to think of what benefits the marriage first or the relationship first, that's what's most important. And then everything else is thought from that perspective. And in this, what I'm hearing is how can I show up for my marriage? How do I show up for you so that we are unit and then therefore our children and then therefore humanity and all the stuff we want to look different. Yeah, um,
1: And it's helping me like strengthen me to like not feel so broken and vulnerable, like to...
0: You You are not broken. No, I know. I mean 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 to say say,
1: broken, quote unquote broken. I know
0: know I'm not broken. I'm going to keep saying that to you, that while Mm -hmm. you're going through this and you're feeling all you're feeling, Mm -hmm. fucking hear me. Mm -hmm. You are wonderfully perfect. There's nothing broken about you. There might be something to work through, but you're not broken. You hear me? You are not. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I
3: just... (laughs)
1: Um that, exactly that. <laughs> Helping me not feel that. So that I can feel strong and light again to show up for the marriage and show up for the family and show up for myself.
0: You're so far.
3: Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> mm. Um, thank you, baby. I love you. I feel like our marriage is really Really healthy and really good, and an example for so many of our friends. Mm -hmm. And I think it's due to the fact that we talk about stuff. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: I hope that I listen to you. Do I listen pretty good or not? Do I need to be better? Tell me, tell me, tell me right now where I can be better. (laughs) This is (laughs) the only chance ever.
1: Wake up with the kids, (laughs)
2: literally. (laughs) Do the laundry. Is it? (laughs) Is it great when we make it easy for you? Just when it come
1: back like quarterly. (laughs)
0: <laughs> do you want to do you want to ask me how you can be better?
1: Oh yeah, how can I be better? Please tell me.
0: Honestly, I swear I don't say this. There's nothing that I need you to do better. Okay. Everything that's a struggle, like okay, there's coffee, too many things in the house, whatever, get over it. Sometimes you um you ugh, you 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 let out a sigh, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's honestly like whatever. There's all these things that I think marriages we hold on to. And we want to change about our partner or about the relationship that if you really look at it, it's like, what does it matter if it stays the same? Mm -hmm. Does it really affect you? Mm
3: -hmm. Does it really
0: affect life? And I think most people break up because of trivial things, not because of massive things. Trivial things that amount that you think mean Mm -hmm. something. And I have friends in my life like Andy, like Juan, like Justin. That hold me accountable and remind me, you know, like these things don't matter. That's my friend group. That none of this, what really matters, and I think that's what we do well. And I think you do the, the same with me. I think so. And I, I just
1: want to add to what you're speaking on, that I think we we are so blessed and consciously surround ourselves with couples and parents and friends that we know see the other.
0: That that's and, right.
1: And we we can trust, like coming to them with an issue and not backbiting about you i can go to my girlfriend say i'm struggling with this and they won't turn against you that they'll if anything just remind me of my strength and how i can show up and they still know your character and deep down who you are
0: i love that you bring that up this is advice to all marriages and Mm -hmm. friendship things out there surround yourself with people that have both of your back Mm -hmm. not just yours yeah that have the relationships back so that you can get real truth, and oftentimes we surround our friends with like yes friends, you know that or just what have you you, and um if you cheated on him or on her, they're like, "Well, you must have had a good reason to, or mm-hmm. he was such, such but rather, the safe places we' are not going to throw him under the bus, or nobody would throw you under the bus in my group. I'm free to talk about it, but there's like these parameters that allow for growth and to be honest and free without fear mm-hmm. of um, of damaging the other. Yeah. individual.
2: Which is couples therapy, by the way. right? Yeah. The therapist is, uh, you know, uh, equally in- invested in the growth of both people yeah. and is not going to pick a side. And I think if we can, again, therapy is expensive. Couples therapy is expensive for people who, you know, might not be able to afford that. Having a group of, fr- like, integrating your partner and your group of friends might actually be a way to do that. So yeah. then when you do go to your friends and yeah. complain, they can be like, all right, but, like, you're a fucking idiot, <laughs> And I know we haven't done it, but I know that we
1: know that other couples will ask other couples <laughs> mm. to have conversations or consult together, like almost have like a group therapy friend session yeah. mm. with trusted friends, like wow. surround yourself with people that love you and trust you and see
0: you
2: and mm. have the same values as you. Yeah. I love that idea. Yeah.
0: We have this thing that we... um I know that one thing that's come up is in our recent episodes is men's groups, women's groups, you know I know I do that more than you have an opportunity to do it, you know um I have some zoom ones and I'll go away on retreats and um so that I can figure out how to be a better version of a man or show up as a husband or as a father as an individual as a work mate boss, whatever it is that's applicable, and you're very supportive of that, I think one because you see the fruits of that work.
1: Yeah, you're not just going to, like, party.
0: No. I like golf trips. I can do that. Oh, yeah, Maybe yeah. that's one thing we can change. Can I go on a few more golf trips here? You um,
1: can go on as many golf trips as I get to go on
0: trips. <laughs> and you don't get to do Boom. as many as I do. Boom. But you, but when you do do these things, like you recently have gone some places with some, some mm-hmm. friends mm-hmm. and how powerful that's been. So I'm learning also to make more, better space for that for you. I think most men can actually do that. I think men in general, if I think about it, we're always thinking about how we can have our time, but don't make space so that our wives mm-hmm. can have the time or our partners. Yeah.
2: Do you wish um, Jamie spent more time at home? And you two weren't in this traditional, more gender role
0: setup? Are they really traditional, though? Are roles that traditional?
2: I would
1: say right now, yes.
0: Yeah, because I work full-time and I'm such and such? Yeah. But traditional would be like, so I put the kids down to bed equally as much. Sure. Um, I only got a short of that, but I'll take it. <laughs> 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 um, that's not as traditional. Um the time that we spend with the kids, what I do do with the kids, all the stuff. I mean, I don't know if it's as traditional as traditional.
1: What I'm what I'm seeing as traditional is like the one that's feeding them, the one that's taking them to school, the one that's planning their doctor's visits, the one that's getting their groceries, the one that's buying the toilet paper.
0: Like Amazon doesn't.
1: This way. is a very domestic. <laughs> I'm in a very domesticated role, and again, I wish I had been prepared for it. I wish. Okay. I had been trained for it because I'm learning on the job, and it's got to be done. And I'm doing it. And and, it's unpaid, and there's no and supervisor, there's no
2: mentor, there's no <laughs> <Yes>. benefits. <laughs> yes.
1: And thankfully, um, you can be the majority and mostly sole breadwinner at the moment. And I know our tradition, our, our roles were slightly shifted maybe in the beginning, but for the most part in our marriage, yeah, yeah, you've yeah. been the main um, breadwinner, if you if you will, and. I'm so grateful that I don't also have to stress about making money right now because there's so it's it's a full-time job. Yeah. And I think I'm in a very much a traditional role that I didn't know I was going to
0: be in. That's so funny. If someone asked me, you guys a traditional role marriage, I'd be like, "No." Wow. I don't know why I Isn't would say that. Isn't that
2: interesting though? I would
0: be like, "No, and if you broke it down and said, well, who takes care of that?" Yeah, yeah, okay. Does that mean traditional? I think traditional has other things to it also. How you show up emotionally. Collectively, consultatively engaged, a part of the decisions. Even yeah. though I'm not, nec- I'm not necessarily the one to carry out, but you know, part of our. Yeah. I so in my sense, I'm like, oh no, we're not traditional. But I suppose I need to reframe my thinking on that. No. Well,
2: know. understand what that means to her. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Because for you, it kind of works in our modern world, right? Men are still, I mean, we need to create more models for masculinity, but like men making money is how you are. That's the ideal. And it must be, as you shared, like it's complicated for you to adore this role, Mm -hmm. but then feel like, am I not meeting this like, you know, other women are doing all these things. Should I be doing all these other things too? And so that is a challenge, I'm I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And so understanding that for her- I think it yeah. would we'll probably
0: be helpful.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, baby, mm-hmm. let me ask you something really quickly. You are where you are now. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it is because you want to be and some of it is because you're forced to be.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, or forced, I don't know what that means, but, you know, like mm-hmm. you have, well, I guess you have no other choice. Necessary. This is, nece- um Where do you want to be? Outside of what's happening now, and, and yes, you articulated that like you're embracing, like, this is what's most important right now. The first formative years of my kid's life, that's okay, and the other things will still be there. What is that? Those other things, what do you want to do if you could look in the next several years?
1: I have a whole like dance show in my head around womanhood and motherhood. Mm. I wish I could make time to do that, yeah. like, create that and just do it. Um, and I also am very passionate and want to insert myself in holistic postpartum healing for mothers in some way, um, including through education and workshops. And were
0: well, you're already kind of doing that. I
1: am. I am. I'm creating little workshops um, one mama at a time and hopefully can branch out to more where I just try to share some basic knowledge around like this is what you need. Yeah. This is how to ask for it. To try to have a smoother transition into motherhood. Yep. I want to be a part of of that train, whatever train that is, that is going to
2: disrupt how mothers are being treated today.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: That's wonderful. And this is, you're doing it right now. So... Mm-hmm. I hope you're proud of yourself.
0: <laughs> I'm glad that we had this conversation with many of us here because now there's some things I get to be held accountable for in a way that's not just like, oh, in the background, I I told her I was going to watch. like Just the idea that I said Saturdays and Sundays, my hair is starting to stand up. because I'm like, wait, does that mean this Saturday or do we push it to next Saturday? <laughs> uh, like, uh,
2: that's our you guys to figure out. But but, I vote this Saturday because uh, that's what you said. <laughs> We're you... about
0: three Saturdays. No. Okay. Um, I love you. I love you. I'm really happy that you are part of this today with us. Thank you.
2: Can I say something? You are so giving to Jamie, mm-hmm. and part of the reason why he's not showing up in the way that you want him to is because Jamie is so giving, and so maybe that's something for you to also think about, right? Like your cup, uh, Natasha, is is over, is is overflowing. And you're like, give me, h- help take some of this water. But your cup is also overflowing. And, I
0: that's, the and I'm, sense aware, I get.
2: Of I'm but, aware of that. I'm aware of that. And right? she's gracious It's not because that. he doesn't care. It's not no. Because-
0: she knows. But you know what? What I got from it, though, and I thank you, Liz. I think us as men always find a reason to not do yeah. what we don't want to do. Mm. And when I hear that, I think, oh, yeah, maybe I can I can use that one. You know, my cup is overflowed too. Rather, I'd say, regardless of my cup being overflowed, because here's what it is. If my kid's in the middle of the street and a car is going to run, I'm never going to say, my bed is too tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just going to find the strength yeah, yeah. in whatever it is and you're going to go And, and get women, them
2: out. Do it. Yeah, right? women do it. Yeah, women do it. So
0: my wife needs her this and this. Yes, my cup is, got, but whatever. You're supposed to have reserve. You just show mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. in your family and your life. And um, I feel that I do in many ways, but it doesn't matter if you're not doing it in the ways that's most needed to the person. Yeah. So I don't need to find a reason or an excuse. The thing is, it's just, it just needs to, you know, and I've been trying to do it in many ways and the ways yeah, that I true. fall short, I'm sorry. And I love you. I love you. And that's not enough to just say I love you. So <laughs> um, you can okay. play this episode anyway, back. Yeah. So with that, um, what does it mean to you, Natasha, to be, enough. We oftentimes ask people what does it mean to be man enough? Mm. Actually that's a good question for you too. What do you think it means to be man enough?
1: I think it means knowing yourself and also making space to just open your eyes to, that, to the world around you because I think women do the opposite.
3: Mm.
1: We don't We lo- we're constantly aware of what's outside and what's happening and others needs and don't take time to reflect on the inside. So for men to to be a little more outward and take that into con- consideration when they're making their choices.
0: I'd say that's pretty good to be man enough. All right, I want to be man enough. <laughs> oh, Thank you, baby, for joining. It's been wonderful and I love you so much. And this has been a journey even just doing this mm-hmm. podcast. I love you.
1: I love you. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Um, <laughs> all right. With that, Liz, what do we? What, what, how do we close this out?
2: Well, if you liked what you heard, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast, or manenough.com slash podcasts.
0: We can't wait to see you next time, or to for you to listen to us to next time. Or, yeah, um, so I can't we wait to
2: hear about how the weekend wake up goes next um, time. Can you? We'll, be, we'll be checking in what,
0: about what weekend? Uh, I next, forgot this,
3: this one. That's this right, this weekend. One.
0: Um, we'll see you next time. I'm sure Justin will be back soon with us. Um, so um, give him a shout out and tell him that you miss him. Yeah, in the meantime, miss you. Liz, I love and adore you, and thank you for um, holding space in this conversation.
3: Thank
2: you for modeling. You Um, it beautifully and a relationship so beautifully.
0: Thanks. So awesome. We will see you next time. Until then, I am Jamie Heath.
2: I'm Liz Plank.
0: And this is Man Enough. Enough. Thank you for listening to the Man Enough podcast, produced by Wayfair Studios and presented by Procter & Gamble in partnership with Cadence 13 and Odyssey Company. Hosted by Justin Baldoni, Liz Plank, and me, Jamie Heath. If you like what you heard, please follow us and tune in weekly as we undefine masculinity and learn in real time. Justin Baldoni, Jamie Heath, and Tara Maholtra feinberg from Wayfair Studios, Mark Pritchard and Anna Saufeld from Procter & Gamble, and Chris Corcoran from Cadence 13 are our executive producers. Kayla Nicholson is our producer. Ashmi Elizabeth Dang is head of marketing. And Susie Landers-O'Connell is our lead editor. Thanks for listening.